What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 588 of the Smart Out Moments Smack Talk Podcast. I'm Tony Mango, joined by Callum Wiggins. Hello there. And Robert E. Felice. Hey. And we are talking about the current edition of the Hot Tags, where we're going to break down all the current events and rumors and news and gossip and TV recap and everything else that went down in the world of pro wrestling over the past few days that we feel like talking about. And of course, as always, we want to know what you have to say about everything, so drop your thoughts in the comments below while you're listening to this podcast. If you are on YouTube, make sure that you are also hitting that like button for the video and clicking the share button to pass this around. Double check that you are subscribed to the channel. If you aren't, then click that button, obviously. If you are, then don't click it because then you're unsubscribing and that's not the right thing to do. Make sure that you also click the little join button that is next to that, which gives you access to the same things as the Patreon. All that stuff, of course, is part of the Smarketplace where you can help support us and make sure that we continue to grow here on Smarka Moment and continue to bring more content your way. So if you are more interested in Patreon, it's the same exact thing. If you don't, you trust that platform more. You got the di- the Dark Cast, you got the Pick a Poison tier, which, uh, for instance, we recently did something kind of wrestling related, wrestling adjacent, sort of, over on Fanboys Anonymous. We did the Big Money Rustlers fan tracks audio commentary podcast where we watch that movie which is an insane clown posse film that stars among others scott hall is in it uh, sabu is in it so if you are interested in doing things like that or you want us to do more of like the superstar scores or anything that's what the pick your poison is all about even if it's just a buck a month it actually helps out quite a bit and there's a little thanks button that's on there on youtube as well if you want to help out that way redbubble and Public are where you can pick up some merchandise if you want to pick that up Keep all that in mind, and also keep in mind that that will help get you entries into our contest, which I'll mention pretty soon. I'm not going to do all the plugs quite yet. Instead, we're going to start diving into this with a general idea of just like some of the extra little stories that we've got. We're going to do TV recap and kind of dive into some of the other things a little bit later on. But one of the stories that I think we can kind of just put out at the head of this is that Backlash has been confirmed now. WWE is not calling it WrestleMania Backlash again, and it is happening in Puerto Rico on May 6th, and Bad Bunny is specifically hosting the event. So there's multiple things to unpack here. First, I want to ask for you guys, yay or nay, and why yay on the (laughs) not calling it WrestleMania Backlash? Because it was dumb. (laughs) It was stupid. It makes so much more sense to just call it Backlash. They seemed like they were just trying to milk the branding of WrestleMania during the pandemic. I mean, just a, just a more concise name. That, I mean, that as well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, it's it's dumb, but I totally understand why they called it WrestleMania Backlash. Ah, me too. I mean, it, yeah. for a marketing perspective, it, uh, it makes sense that they would try to do that. And I was really thinking that that would make a lot of sense if they would have done that in Saudi Arabia. We've talked about that recently where I was just like, okay, that's a way to kind of treat it as if like you are quote unquote getting WrestleMania, <laughs> even though everybody would know that it wouldn't be the case. But I do like that. It's just backlash because it's implied that it's WrestleMania backlash. And I like the name backlash a lot better than payback. So I'm fine with them just keeping backlash. I don't want them to bring payback back. It's a little too generic. Now, being in Puerto Rico, 
I think that that's pretty cool. I like that they're doing these more expansive reaching out and doing things in other countries just because it's like, look, you could technically have backlash in Chicago. You could have it in Minnesota, whatever the hell you want. Puerto Rico, you're going to get a whole different vibe. Fans are going to be super excited for it. Maybe they do some special matches. Maybe that's what Bad Bunny is there for. I could see this being Bad Bunny and Rey Mysterio against Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio, where we were thinking that that could happen at Mania. Maybe they pushed it to to Backlash. Well, they did announce him as the host. There's nothing stopping him from wrestling, but I like that idea. That sounds really good, actually. I kind of think it'll just be your standard musical performance. Maybe he gets involved in an angle uh, involving Ryan Dominic, but I don't think he's actually going to wrestle on the show. He could just do kind of, you know, hey, introduce the crowd, do a musical performance. Maybe he gets involved in the match physically, but he's not actually wrestling. And he's just sort of, um, you know, the rest of the Judgment Day comes out and then Bad Bunny's like, you know, hey, I'm going to put a stop to this or something like could be doing in that direction maybe he actually does still wrestle wrestlemania and this is the follow-up for it there are no shortages of ways that they can incorporate him here but i think that that's a smart thing to do too to have bad bunny on there you get a media crossover star you get somebody who's been in wwe as a you know royal rumble competitor wrestlemania competitor that's the type of cross promotion that i like when they do (laughs) rather than when they just go like Hey, uh, you know, our special guest on Monday Night Raw is like, I don't know. Uh, what's Hardy. that? Hardy. Yeah. Like, it was just like, who's this, who's this guy? Why, why is he doing something here? Um, so I like that. I think that that's good. Uh, we got confirmation before about the King and Queen of the Ring. We didn't really talk about that, but there's not really too much to talk about. It's just sort of, we'll wait until we get closer to it and start debating who should be King well, and Queen of the Ring. That it's in Saudi and they confirmed. That that's the name of the event now, King and Queen of the Ring. I like the logo. Logo is nice, nice and crisp. Uh, it'll be a fun weekend, double or nothing, and King and Queen of the Ring. A mm, little busy weekend, but <laughs> um, yeah, and I think I think this is a good way to go. Any thoughts on the King and Queen of the Ring, Cal? You're not going to get me to say anything positive about a Saudi show. <laughs> Generally speaking, though, you have like a an idea in mind of like. Well, we talked before we you know not to uh repeat the same points about like whether or not it should be a full tournament on the thing or if it's going to be whatever but like uh now that we've got confirmation that it is going to be in saudi does it give you any more of a leaning towards one way or the other about that it probably won't be it won't it will, it will be just one match on those shows that's what i'm kind of thinking too i think at most we might get the semifinals and the finals but more so, I'm thinking. I mean, right. They want to wrestle more than one match in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I am oh, thinking I, that I, it's going to be more of just like okay, the the finals like we did with the Queen's Crown and the um, King of the Ring the last time. I do want to talk about this. Brandon Thurston tweeted after WWE announced this during Raw this week that if WWE isn't sold or taken private by this date meaning May 27th, the day the King of the Ring, then I doubt a transaction happens given timing around Raw and SmackDown TV deals that need to be made. Q1 earnings call earlier in May could be another moment for clarity. 
Well, there was one story that I had read earlier about like they're looking for first round bids or something and more of the typical sort of backtracking chatter of like, well, that doesn't mean that they're actually going to do a transaction and this could mean nothing or it can mean everything or tomorrow they can announce that they've sold and that, you know, that sort of like nobody knows what the hell's going on. So we're all going to just say maybe they might, if possibly perhaps consider thinking about selling maybe <laughs> where it's like, all right, fine. I'm going to pull a Marge from uh, <laughs> when she did that with the taco truck. The all the writing on the wall now is, yeah. All the all the writing the rule now is on on the wall is is pointing towards uh, McMahon. Just put, did a power play to put himself back into position. Um, Endeavor have pulled out. Well, have said that they're not interested. It doesn't seem likely that Comcast is going to get involved, and they're not going to sell to someone like Disney, and Fox won't buy them because SmackDown's been such a colossal failure for that uh, for that program. So I think that you're either looking at it's either Saudi are gonna have to buy it because no one else will stump up the price that Vince is supposedly after that nine billion uh, dollar level, or Vince has just used the idea of a sale to uh, maneuver himself back into a position of power. And he's sitting behind Gorilla now, so it's only just a matter of time before he's uh you know shouting down commentators' uh, mm. head headsets and asking why. Uh, why are we pushing this person? They're not tall enough, and all that stuff. <laughs> well, that's not such good shit. Why don't you do this instead? <laughs> uh, Only this time he's got a mustache. Yeah, so on the mustache. I was gonna, I was going to bring that up next too because I've seen that picture that's been going around, and then I also saw something that said that maybe that's not necessarily the true picture or whatever. But is there like clarification that that's exactly like that's what he actually has that he's sporting right now? Is that picture um no not that picture but sean did tweet that he dyed his hair and he has a mustache now i'm assuming he dyed it like darker not just like orange or something and that several people are comparing him to gomez adams (laughs) well as a real slight on gomez adams as somebody that rocked a, a Gomez Adams uh, stupid mustache and slicked back hair at one point in my life, which I horribly uh, regret, that's not the look to go for. <laughs> and if Vince is pulling that off, then uh, that I'd love to see some pictures of it. Um, maybe that's like a good sign. Maybe it's a bad sign <laughs> of the future of WWE if he's just sort of like, Hey, I don't need to really care anymore. I'm going to do some fun stuff. Let me just grow out a mustache and whatever because I'm not actually a part of it. Or if he's just like, yeah, I, I really don't fucking care. I'm taking it back and I'm going to be pulling off the comments. <laughs> kind of look. Not the story that I was expecting to hear this week of uh, being like, oh, Vince is backstage. You know, he might be there to visit John Cena. And I'm like, oh, what else are we going to find out? Didn't anticipate it to be, and he's got a mustache. <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I th- think, I think he might have just been there to visit John Cena. Of course, you never know. It could. It seems like slowly but surely. Oh, I'm here to visit John, and then the next week I'm just here, and then the next week he's yelling at Michael Cole through the headset. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we've said before our thoughts on that. We all want. Vince to stay away. We want the new era to make some changes and to continue to improve on things. And 
to learn from the mistakes from the past instead of just repeating them again. But one of the other things that is potentially changing from WWE and maybe the sale stuff has to do with this. Maybe it's something completely unrelated. I don't know. But there are reports going around now that WWE is trying to hire enough people to to look into le- the legalization of betting on WWE. And they've had partnerships in the past with like DraftKings. And obviously there are plenty different gambling sources out there that do let you bet on WWE. But they're just sort of unaffiliated in any kind of official capacity. And the thing that I find the funniest about this, and this is something that Meltzer was uh, speculating on, if they had some sort of like fully legalized, yes, you are sanctioned by the gambling commission type of partnership going on, that they technically wouldn't be able to tell the wrestlers who's winning the matches. (laughs) How the hell would you possibly build an angle where it's like, okay, well, you know, we're heading towards this John Cena versus Austin Theory United States title match, which we're going to talk about, and everybody's going to be betting on who's going to win the United States title at WrestleMania, but we can't tell John or Austin Theory who is winning up until they're about to go out for the match. You can't write your angles. You can't have people working toward the end goal of a story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's just these sort of bets are ridiculous just from the mere concept of them because you shouldn't be able to bet on something that someone can go around to you and say, yeah, this is happening. Or like throw someone behind the scenes and say, hey, I know who's going to win this. You know why? Because I booked it, and uh, that's because uh, it's 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 different from other sporting bet ventures or sporting endeavors where there is absolutely no predictability. Well, there's no, no predictability. You can obviously say this team's better; they're more likely to win, and so their odds are lower than the others. But it does mean that, but that but there's still or chances different things can happen, and surely there's enough in the sporting world that you don't need to then venture over to WWE. It's just people just trying to find new things to bet on because people are just addicts to this type of stuff mm-hmm. obviously it's it's just like what else can we take people's money from in order to predict that i don't know is cody going to win the title at wrestlemania and you know what like we do predictions contests and other people do predictions contests or prediction leagues or however you want to term it but so actually like look at it and then you'll just because eventually what you're going to see is we've seen it before because there are betting markets that do put stuff on WWE shows already. And it's just the case of eventually like a couple of days out from the show, someone's uh, odds will drastically go down because of the, because a lot of people are bad because something will have leaked. And then either that result will happen or the other result will happen. And the leak was there to throw people off and, uh, raise the odds of the other the other person so there's always some sort of angle going on with this like again that angle and yeah if you have to take the approach the only way of getting around that is to not tell people not even on the day of the show like pretty much uh, as soon as earth curtain like this is the finish go out there right it's hard it's hard to I mean, in a way, it could be quite interesting because of the way that that will had to lead them to book, which is, how about we 
book sh- a match where both guys or girls go into it looking strong, and then it doesn't matter who we choose to win because both whoever wins will look good coming out of it, but the other person won't be hurt too much. Rather than let's bury a guy or bury both of them, even have all have them both lose going into it, so the one that ends up losing looks even worse coming mm-hmm. out of it, and the one that wins. It uh, doesn't really get much out of it because they've lost every single match they've had in the build-up to this show. So, may- who knows? Maybe this is the secret to better booking, is to make sure that you have to... Uh, forcing yourself into a position where you can't try and weasel your way out of it with the finish. Who knows? Well, if we take DraftKings, for example, the kind of bets they do on DraftKings is how many times will Roman hit a spear? How many times will someone kick out of a finish? So they I do more they, like uh, kind of intangibles. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to straight vote or vote gamble on who is going over because if that's the case, I mean, I, I stand a good shot at winning some money <laughs> occasionally because I mean, some of the shit's just way too predictable. So I guess we'll see how that goes. I would think that, I mean, gambling is not one of the things that I'm super, super familiar with. I'm the type of person who, like, I'll go to a casino, and if I gamble at all, I'll put, like, 20 bucks in a slot machine, and if I win, I win. Even if it's, like, (laughs) one of the last times that I was at a casino, I won, like, 11 bucks, and I was like, all right, that paid for my lunch. I'm fucking done. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not the type that's like, I'll put another hundred down. I'll put another 50 down. I'll I'll keep doing this and and get into it. But uh, when it comes to the betting side of things, like I would think that sort of the onus is on the person that's taking the bets. And if you want to take the risk of potentially paying out a lot of people, then it's on you. Like they shouldn't have to legalize the gambling in WWE. If people want to do it, if like fan duel sports club or something wants to have bets on, you know, is Cody Rhodes going to beat Roman Reigns? Most of us probably would bet that he would. Some people aren't. And you got to sort of go, well, do I think enough people are going to vote in the opposite way with enough money that I'm going to make money off of this? Or am I gambling on my own? And gambling, the whole concept is, I mean, it's gambling. <laughs> like the casino is gambling, technically, even though the odds are heavily stacked in their favor. You go into a casino hoping that you're going to come out with more money. And the same thing with a bet. You're hoping that you put your $100 bet on who's going to open the card at WrestleMania or how many RKOs is Randy Orton going to hit in a match or something. You're hoping you get more out of it. And the people taking the bets are hoping that you're dead wrong and that you're just handing them your money. Fair is fair, in my mind. If you want to bet on WWE, take the risk, go ahead, do it. I don't think it should have to be something that's the same way that like the sports side of WWE is when people talk about like the the wellness policy and all like I fully support the idea that they should be making sure that everybody's healthy and all but I don't think it should be regulated in exactly the same way that regular sports are in the same like you know while well, this commission says that you need to 
Yeah, if you're doing a wrestling show in Alabama, it's a different sporting thing than if it is in Nebraska. What, what the hell? It's a fucking show. Like, you know, it's not. It's sports entertainment. It's not sports. So I think that it's. You're never going to be able to find the happy medium that goes there because it's just not Major League Baseball. It's not the NFL. It's not betting on the Oscars, even. Where you just don't know. Like, this is scripted. It has to be scripted. But it'll be interesting if they do do something with that going forward because that'll make things crazy if it's sort of like, well, we can't technically tell you that, say, Gunther is going to retain the Intercontinental title when he fights Akira Tozawa. But we'll just go like, wink, wink, (laughs) while we're talking about it in the creative meeting, you know? The idea of betting on... A match like that is so silly. And the betting odds skyrocket, you know. Somebody else is just like, oh, you winked with your left eye. I thought that meant that Tazawa was winning. <laughs> um, that's, you know, some of those other stories. Let's talk about something that is kind of in-house, which is the Smart Madness tournament that is going on right now in the Smart Out Moment side of things. Now, we have round two up for the tournament and I went through last night, got the round one results up and everything. A couple interesting votes that I thought were kind of a little bit of a shocker in some ways. One of them being that the Von Eriks and the Finleys tied. And I was like, yeah, I figured that this would be a Von Eric win. I was really shocked that the Briscoe family beat the Hedig family. I just thought, Generally speaking, Mr. Perfect, at least, would carry that name. And obviously, most people on the website do tend to lean more heavily towards a, uh, the WWE stuff and of like a more modern era. So I thought maybe Curtis Axel would end up doing that. So our setup for round two is Anawaii against Steiner, which had beaten uh, Hardy and Blanchard. The... Orton beating Smith and Roberts means that they're up against Jarrett's, which they beat the Fafita family. We got a triple threat, which the Von Eriks and Finleys against the Funks, who beat the Armstrongs. Flair beat Vashan, and Wyndham Rotunda beat Malenko. So Flair versus Wyndham Rotunda. Hart beat Bella, as expected. DiBiase beat Rodriguez. So we got Hart versus DiBiase. Guerrero beat Pafo. I thought that'd be a little bit closer. And Briscoe B. Hennig, so Guerrero versus Briscoe. We got McMahon versus Mysterio, since Snuka and Garza lost. And Rhodes versus Cologne, because Gunn and Rougeau lost. So, Anawaii versus Steiner. I think we probably are leaning on one direction. Orton versus Jarrett. Von Erich versus Finley versus Funk. Flair versus Wyndham Rotunda, Hart versus DiBiase, Guerrero versus Briscoe, McMahon versus Mysterio, and Rhodes versus Cologne. Any uh, big standouts or interesting matchups when it comes to that? They're all pretty obvious, at least to me, who should win. I don't see the Steiners beating the Anawais. I don't see the Mysterios beating the McMahons. I think the Hart family will go all the way. I think you know, I, I, we're at a point now where it's getting a little more clear. Yeah, none of them are particularly... They all seem to be fairly one-sided to me. 
the one that may be the one that we closest is probably Flera versus Wyndham and Rotunda, just because you've got obviously Rick and Charlotte on one side, but then you have a lot of dross after that with David for the most part. And then uh, the Wyndham stuff. I mean, you've got you've got a few more people to choose from that had fairly notable careers. Um, I do have to say the uh, I am slightly disappointed that. Uh, People some, somehow uh, put the Von Eriks on par with the Finleys. It's like, you know, read a book once in a while. <laughs> I think that's going to be the, the closest one is the Von Erich Finley Funk one. Because I don't think that there's any standout huge family from that that would be like just blowing out of the water. Because I assumed that Von Erich would beat Finley. And if that ended up being a tie, then I got to assume that the Funk family is on par if not potentially even going to win that one. So I do expect that it'll be Anawai versus Orton rather than Jarrett. I think it'll be maybe it's Von Eric or Funk. I don't think it'll be Finley against Flair. I'm expecting Hart versus Guerrero and McMahon versus Rhodes for round three, but we have a week to get around that. So Go ahead and vote on round two while you can. I will be closing that poll on Thursday night. We'll talk about round three when it comes to the hot tags next week, next Friday, and run down any other surprises and shocking votes or anything else along those lines. While you are over there on SmartCon Moment and you're checking out the little sidebar for this link to the Smart Madness tournament, there's also a link to the Road to WrestleMania contest we have going on right now where you can enter to win a Dusty Rhodes Funko Pop these are sponsored by fun.com. So go ahead and check them out over at fun.com and you can enter in a whole sort of different ways, including by retweeting things and subscribing on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and such. You've got the biggest ways to enter are to be a part of the Patreon or to be on the merchandise side of things. You know, if you pick up a t-shirt, you get like 10, I think it's 10, uh, it might be 20 different entry points. And there's no limit to how many of them that you can do. All you have to do is just put your confirmation code for your order in there. And then I'll know for sure that you actually did. For anybody who does that and they don't actually buy something, I hope that you know that those are all invalidated. <laughs> there's a couple people that keep trying to do that. They just keep doing like the, well, I'm going to say that I did and then I'll just get these entry points. No, I manually go through there and I make sure that those don't actually count. So you're not going to fool the system. I can see if you did put the confirmation code or you didn't. And I don't want anybody to have an unfair advantage. I want everybody to have the same amount of entry points as they're allowed from everybody else. So no bullshit is getting past me on that. And if you want to win your Dusty Rhodes Funko Pop, then go ahead and do that because that is ending a couple days after WrestleMania. So you still have some time to get a whole lot of votes in there. This is a means for me to kind of thank everybody for following us and supporting us. So thank you to fun.com for sponsoring that. And let's get back to some of these other hot tags that we've got going on here. Let's talk about Saray from NXT. She is gone and I am not in the slightest bit surprised about that. We haven't seen Saray since something like October. She dropped off the face of the earth. I mean, she first came in, William Regal made a big deal about their new signing. Um, Sari, I forget exactly what other names she went by, but she went by Sari. That's her, her real name, I think. 
and she's coming from Japan. You know, we've had a lot of success with different Japanese talent in NXT with Asuka and Kairi Sane and uh, Gio Shirai and Shinsuke Nakamura. You know, I mean, there's been a variety of people that are like, yeah, okay, they treat Japanese talent well in NXT. And then we didn't see her. It was the pandemic. Took a while. However many months later, she comes in. And it seemed like it was like three or four weeks that they actually were like, hey, this is a new star. And then she stopped basically appearing. They brought her back for this Sailor Moon type gimmick. Then they dropped that. She's never really worked out in NXT. So I'm not at all surprised to see that they just decided the part ways. And probably she, more than anybody else, was just like, this is stupid. I don't want to be around here. I just want to go back to Japan and be an actually used talent that, you know, isn't going to be wasted here. I think it's the right move for sure. Any thoughts on Saray? Oh, absolutely. It's the right move because, and, and, and it was not like it was an obvious one from the start because WWE has, at least in recent times, a good track record with uh, Japanese female talent. You look at the likes of Asuka, Yoshirai, Yosuke now, of course, and uh, Kairi, Kairi Sane. They, they did stuff with them and they actually pushed them to a degree. Again, they put them in in sometimes pretty uh I don't, I don't use the R word, but th- those types of gimmicks, you know, you know which ones I'm talking about. But it's um but yeah, stereotypical, let's say. Stereotypical gimmicks yeah, that's, and that's a better word. Yeah, and so and Sarai was the, the clearest example, the one which veered probably closest to the R word in terms of this uh, <laughs> anime schoolgirl Sailor Moon character. Which it's just dumb. It's just re- like it was in the really the earliest and one of the earliest and worst examples of the shift to 205 Live and not 205 Live. Uh, might as well have been 205 Live. NXT, NXT 2.0. 2.0. Yeah, NXT 2.0. <laughs> well, the shift to 205 Live going over to NXT level up and all. Yeah, yeah true. But, but yeah, that NXT 2.0 era, the early days of that were just littered with gimmicks like this. And still, still some exist. I mean, scripts is still on the roster, so we're we're not entirely escaped from that yet. But yeah, I think I think when um, the report came out, and uh, I think uh, on Fightful they went into more detail about it. How essentially she came in, and then very soon after, pretty much all of her supporters left the company, including William Regal. And obviously, Regal is back now, but by this point, it's pretty pretty late to try and salvage. Uh, Sarai and I think it's a good decision to let her go fairly quietly and let her go back to Japan there's plenty of opportunity there for her to resume her career which was going very well there up until the point she joined WWE so yeah I think for all parties this is the the right step to take yeah um, it's a shame because like you take away that 2.0 rebranding and she's just NXT women's champion probably and having banger matches. That that 2.0 branding changed a lot of shit and for Saray, it meant that she couldn't have a really good run. I hope that she was able to pick up on something while she was wrestling in America just because you'd hate for all of it to be a waste of time. But yeah, there's characters like Saray. Where the fuck is Roderick Strong? You know, like all, all that. Like, hopefully, we'll start hearing more news like this 
where these talents are allowed to, you know, move on with their lives. You guys think that by the end of the year, we're going to see Saray versus Mercedes Monet? Potentially. It, it, I guess it depends. If she goes uh, back to stardom, then yeah. It, but there are other Japanese women's promotions that she might go to instead. But that would seem like a logical step. Maybe, Mike, again, because we don't know when she's going to go back. We've been told that it's imminent that she will leave the company. So you imagine she'd be back in Japan pretty soon afterwards. And who knows? Maybe there's another company that wants to take up on her. I mean, didn't she already booked for her first show back? I believe so. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, she's already taking bookings, but WWE still haven't given confirmation that she is like released, released yet. But. Who knows, maybe another company decides to take her show on her. I mean, I'm not saying for one instance that like an AEW is going to sign her up, but you know, they might see the, the they might see the potential that WWE decided to pass up on. If not, then yeah, I could definitely see her wrestling Mercedes at some point, but I imagine that they might try and spend a bit of time building her back up in Japan before they before they make that move to have her challenge for a title, because there's a lot of big stars in stardom right now that are probably lining up to take get their shot at uh, mercedes Monet and the top titles in stardom so she needs to um she would need to re i guess rebuild her reputation there a little bit by the way she's only 26 oh yeah she's got plenty of time so the, yeah there's absolutely, no, there's absolutely no uh trouble there it's just a case of it's not like Kyrie when she first came back was immediately given she ne- she hasn't won well she hasn't won the she never won the uh women's title in stardom since her return i think she's won a few other titles but she's not won the uh, top title there they have a a coordinated plan of who their kind of aces are at the moment so and saray is obviously a great addition for the depth of the roster but they might not be immediately trying to thrust her into a top position yet yeah she could just be hey look we got saray isn't this cool we'll give her some featured matches and we'll work towards incorporating her into the cards and stuff depends yeah, on how much they're eventually. fully booked out she'll get back to the top eventually but uh it might take a little bit of time now yeah, and i think she'll be back in wwe one day really only 26 lock hmm. can change i mean we haven't seen a whole lot of people that have gone from the Japan side of things and then to WWE and then back and forth, back and forth. Like we've seen with like, you know, I mean, how many times have other people jumped ship between uh, other companies in America, but it's not the craziest thing to have somebody do that. You know, certain people do bounce back and forth. We're all kind of expecting at some point that Sasha is going to be back. And obviously, you know, she's young enough that, it's not like, uh, you know, if you don't do it in the next two years, well, we're going to be past that point. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, we don't even know if we're going to be able to bet on WWE <laughs> in the next couple weeks or something. Um, let's talk about Hall of Fame. Now, we've talked about this a couple times here and there, so I don't want to repeat a lot of the same arguments. But, I mean, it's March 10th. And we still don't have a single announcement for the Hall of Fame, but there's another report coming out there from, I believe it's Russell Votes had said this earlier today, that tonight on SmackDown that they are going to finally announce at least something for the Hall of Fame. And they might just drop everybody all at once. 
maybe that's their philosophy is like, well, we don't need to do it week by week. I still think that that's much better. But if that ends up being the case, they're not dropping everybody all over. It's just a matter of when they want to start going. Breaking news as reported by Justin Barrasso of Sports Illustrated. Batista. Breaking news as reported by whatever fucking LA outlet. It's David Arquette. I don't know. I don't know if David Arquette's going in, and that's just a guess. But even um, so, I mean, if they try to do what they've done before, where it's like breaking news, this person's in the Hall of Fame, they don't have a whole lot of time left. Like, if they announce somebody tonight, they have, if they announce somebody tonight, like Batista, they'll say them again on Monday. So then that becomes, you're waiting until Friday the 17th to go into person number two, and then you're probably continuing on like that, and they're probably the twenty fourth or thirty first. No, you're you're forgetting the fact that most of the announcements the last three years or so have all come via social media. They're just gonna have random news outlets announce who's going in. I mean, as far as like on Raw or SmackDown, that they'd be like, and it was previously broken by Sports Illustrated that so and so is going to be announced to Hall of Fame. They've never done it. It doesn't stop them from doing it but they've never done it before where they've been like all right it was announced that this person's going to go into the hall of fame and it was also announced by this outlet that this person's going in and it was also announced that this per you know what i mean they usually do it like one per week but maybe they do have a plan to just be like hey here are three of the people that's going to go in and then next week here are another three or maybe they're going to keep it a very very low class because they are going to be ha- not low class, like, you know, like ah, a bunch of fucking hooligans, but like a small number of people being inducted. Cause maybe they do kind of look at it that way. Now, maybe it's like, look, these hall of fames are too long. People are going to have two hours of SmackDown ahead of time. We're going to go head to head with the ROH thing. Let's just have maybe Batista. Cause we're all assuming it's Batista and like two other people. And that's your hall of fame class. It could be that. But another story that came around with this is that McFoley said he had been approached from someone to induct them and that he was a little surprised that that person picked him to be the one that would do his induction speech. But he may not be approved. He might, you know, all the the kind of like, well, it hasn't been announced yet. So put a pen in it for now. Maybe that's the person tonight. Maybe it's not. I think it's kind of twofold. I don't expect that whoever it is that's going to be inducted potentially by McFoley is going to be announced tonight. I do expect that announcement. But then I also wonder about the McFoley thing. Um, the McFoley thing is interesting because it's the only thing that we can say with certainty that it's honest. Like, McFoley says he was... Yeah, he's not going to lie about that. <laughs> not like other then, people where they'll just put themselves over and make up some stories for the sake of being in the news. Foley's not going to do that. He's too nice of a person. So then it becomes, well, who the fuck asked McFoley? And you think, who's had a close enough relationship with Mick? And I look at, the obvious one is The Rock. We're all all assuming, perhaps foolishly so, that if The Rock didn't want to fight Roman, that means he's out of Mania Week. It could be The Rock. But... I'm also really wondering about Randy. Really? Randy Orton didn't cross my mind. Because I'm just strictly thinking about Mick Foley. The fuck is going to... Has a close enough relationship with Mick 
on screen that WWE would approve that and go, okay, McFoley is inducting, you know, like, it's not going to be like uh, Eve Torres or something. <laughs> I mean, that would be kind of one of the explanations for why he would be like, wow, I'm surprised that this person reached out to me. Like, why is Eve Torres <laughs> asking me for it? Um I, I I don't know. I mean, I there's nobody that I can think of that hasn't already been inducted. Like a Terry Funk or, you know, whoever. That strikes me as like, okay, that's like a, a Foley feud or whatever. So it might not even be necessarily somebody that's been on screen with him as much, but maybe somebody that's just kind of friends with him backstage. Or maybe somebody that, I mean, this sounds kind of, awful to say but maybe somebody who doesn't really have a whole lot of friends in that business and sometimes we've seen that like it would make sense for you know ron simmons to induct jbl for instance or maybe vice versa or whatever but then you go like oh and actually they were really tight with this person backstage they just never did it on screen maybe that's going to be one of those things where it's like yeah foley's really actually a really good friend of um, I don't know. Uh, it's not a posthumous induction. We know that because the person said that they they reached out or whatever. Huh? I'm stumped. You got any ideas, Cal? The one name that came to mind was Ken Shamrock. Shamrock? Huh? Really? They feuded in WWE for a while. So I just I and and he seems like the type of guy that would get inducted soon. Yeah. And that could be the type of thing too, where that would explain why he would be like, I'm surprised that they they asked me and they might not approve that or whatever, but I love I mean, me some McFoley, so Yeah. I mean think about it, like who would who in do well, who would induct Ken Shamrock? Uh it's not gonna be the Rock. Yeah, that's true. The Rock would impact all of Yeah, it's unlikely to be Triple H. Well, might well, yeah, Triple H because like they were around at the same time, but it wasn't very big. But obviously, Boss Man's not around. Owen's not around. Um, They're not gonna get Val Venus to do it. Oh yeah. Hmm. There's very few options when it comes to that. So, so re- and, and realistically, like he was around long enough that he probably. And made enough of an impression that he probably would be worthy of a Hall of Fame induction. Like, unless they got uh, who's the who's that other MMA guy? Dan Seven. <laughs> yeah, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, to pull him in to to do it instead. But I don't think they liked each other that much. But that, I don't know if that's the case or not. But but yeah, Mick would make sense then because they definitely feuded, and it would just seem like oh, that's a bit odd. But in in a way, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, I guess that's a. That's a really good thought. I didn't think about Shamrock. I was just immediately thinking, like, memorable Foley feuds. And that's kind of why Randy came to mind. It was just like, oh, fuck, maybe he's just going to go in the Hall of Fame. It's not like they haven't done that with a, you know, active superstar. Like, they wanted Jeff to go in, uh, Jeff Hardy to go in a couple years ago. So I'm looking through the uh, website, not in Hall of Fame, 
a great resource for just kind of reminding you of people that haven't been inducted yet. And obviously a lot of these people are not remotely close to who they could announce. Like they're not going to be like Chris Jericho is going into the <laughs> like not happening while you're part of AEW. We can roll out all the posthumous ones like Owen Hart and such. Obviously um, I do not anticipate Batista would be asking McFoley big show could be i thought about big show <laughs> like I thought about big show. yeah i mean he is an aew but it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world um i don't anticipate paul Heyman or or jim Cornette or you know whatever um highly doubt that this is going to be the year that lex luger does and that he reached out to mcfoley i don't see any connection there whatsoever but yeah i mean maybe Honestly, this one's actually uh, maybe the great Muda. Maybe there could be something there. I, I don't know. That. that wouldn't be the craziest out of all that, but sit in the hall of fame. They have him on this list as not being in there. He's not inducted yet. Right? No, presumably not. If he's on that website. Yeah. I just didn't know if they updated it anytime recently or anything, but, um, now, Sid wouldn't strike me as necessarily reaching out to Foley. He'd probably ask some other people that he'd have in mind. Still really would love to hear his <laughs> speech. That would be fucking great. But yeah, I mean, uh, that's a, an element that could come out tonight. For all we know, it's fucking Sable. And uh, we end up just I being like, be what? I'd be surprised. But also, like, hell yeah, get Sable Mall of him. Kevin Sullivan? Hmm. That'd be a good one. Yeah, so I don't think that we're going to get some kind of a, this person is going to be inducted by Mick Foley announcement tonight. But I do expect on SmackDown tonight at this point, not only is WrestleVotes one of the most reliable sources that's out there, but also it's just like, look, it's fucking March 10th. Like, we got to announce something at some point. Other, uh, you know. I just read a tweet as you were going through some of those names from a Occasional Fightful contributor, Cher Delaware. And she brings up a good point. They don't have a real reason to overhype anything because the show is tied to SmackDown and you don't necessarily have to buy separate tickets. So if they don't feel like they have a crazy great class, they can drag their ass a little bit. They could, but that just kind of make it seem like you are shitting on it, you know? So well, I, the report came out from Sean that several people were told that it is still happening this year, this past Monday. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that's always great when that's your update for your Hall of Fame. Yes, we're still doing it. I honestly feel like a portion of this could be that they don't know if they have their headliner locked in. That it's like they want to do The Rock, they want to do Batista, whichever one of those, and that they've been waiting to say people with the hall of fame because they want to start with the big name first instead of just being like hey we're announcing that the hall of fame is going to include these legacy names or something i think that they want to announce it as being like the headliner is batista and that maybe they needed to work out some scheduling conflicts or something i don't know but um that's the way that i kind of am approaching it maybe tonight we get some kind of an announcement that ends up being like okay never mind that's actually completely different from what i was expecting we're Maybe they drop everybody's name tonight. Hey, you should tune in to SmackDown in a couple weeks because right afterward, 
these 12 people are going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then we're like, okay, shit. All right, let me update the page and kind of get the ball rolling on that. But yeah, it's uh, something to keep an eye out for later on tonight on SmackDown. Um, as far as SmackDown is concerned tonight, we do have some different things that they've announced, like, you know, Jey Uso returns home to SmackDown, whatever. It doesn't seem like it's going to be the craziest episode that we've ever seen. We do have a fatal five way though, to determine who is going to fight Gunther at WrestleMania and Kofi Kingston's out of that match. When he took the, uh, the brawl fall or, uh, when Drew McIntyre fell on top of him or whatever it was last week, I was like, Oh, I think he might've gotten injured. It seems like he at least tweaked something, but Xavier Woods is replacing him and it's going to be Woods, Sheamus, McIntyre, Karrion Cross, and LA Knight fighting for that match against Gunther. And I don't know how they do this and pull this off where it ends up being both Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. Like we're all speculating. You guys think it's just going to be McIntyre? Do you think it's going to be some kind of a schmoz ending for a double pin? You know, like uh, both have LA Knight locked in a submission. He taps out and then it's like, well, he tapped out for me. No, he tapped out for me. Neither of them have submission moves, but you know what I mean? James has the Texas Cloverleaf. James has the Cloverleaf, yeah. Yeah, true. He does have that. McIntyre doesn't have any, right? No, but anyone, put, anyone could just put on a, a, a crossface. Yeah. Yeah. True. And they could do some kind of thing where it's like, um, you know, McIntyre goes for a uh, a pin and he's got his own shoulders down at the same time as Seamus or, you know, I, I think it'll be one-on-one. I think it'll be Seamus. Not, not Seamus. It will be a McIntyre versus Gunter. And realistically, I think I'd prefer that. I'm not, I'm not someone who is very anti triple threat in general. Like some people are, some people really hate those sort of multi-man matches. So they're obviously not going to like this match either. But, um, I think that, uh, it makes more sense for Gunther to just have one big opponent rather than divide it up between Sheamus and McIntyre. I could see a scenario where McIntyre wins this match. He might even like steal the pin from Sheamus or maybe he pins Sheamus. One of those things where it's like, he's going for the claymore on carrying cross and carrying cross moves out of the way. So he hits Sheamus and then he goes for a pin and he pins Sheamus anyway. And it's kind of like, They've already teased, like, you know, that their their friendship is sort of uh, collapsing because they both want the Intercontinental title. I could anticipate it's McIntyre versus Gunther. Imperium comes out at some point at Mania. They start interfering in the match. Brawling Brutes come out to back up Drew McIntyre. And Sheamus either intentionally turns on him or he gives a broke kick to shame uh to drew mcintyre gunter retains and then you set up for backlash the triple threat i would be okay with drew just beating gunter and then doing even though it's been done just have shameless and drew do like a best of seven or something throughout the summer that could be the case too yeah you don't even have to call it a best of seven just have them fucking trade the belt back you know what I mean? Like that, that would be fun. I'd watch Drew and Sheamus beat the shit out of each other for the IC title a couple times. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would say that if, no matter who wins this Fatal 4 5 way, I'd, ha- I'd have Gunter retain at WrestleMania. 
you know that he's legit the longest reigning, I think in like a week or something. He's the longest reigning champion since Honky. Mm. No, he's he's a little bit underneath that, I think. Um, I had read up an article about it on EWN. I'm forgetting exactly what the specifications are, but he's, if he gets to Mania, I think, if I'm remembering right, he would be two people under Honky Tonk Man. No, not, remember that, I said longest since. Oh, longest since, oh, yeah, not the longest overall. Yeah, longest since Hoggy. So, like, that's insane. It's been 35 years? Like, that's pretty cool what he's been able to accomplish. And he's definitely, like, this design of the IC title for me is always going to be associated with him mentally. Like he's had a good run with it. I think he, he can lose it and then build himself up to being a challenger for Cody at some point in the summer. Yeah, if he makes it to Mania, which of course he's going to, he's not going to drop it ahead of time, he would be at 295 days. So he would surpass Mr. Perfect's 280, Greg Hammer Valentine's 285, and he would be the number three of all time. The only people ahead of him would be Honky Tonk Man, obviously, but also Macho Man savage. for 414. So he would have to go through September. Where did I write it on this? Uh, September 8th is when he would beat Honky Tonk Man's record. Yeah, that I just don't see happening unless probably this not. is possible. They might not have any other plans. Yeah. Title, so why not just let the man hold it? I wouldn't be opposed to it, but then again, that's. Kind of the whole point that I wrote that article was me being like, yeah, I think that would be kind of fun if he beat the record. But um, yeah, we're going to see one of those things happen when it comes to SmackDown tonight. Obviously, that's like on the prediction side of things that we could do when it comes to that. But let's talk about some other topics here that we can go back and talk on the TV side of things, which is let's go to Monday Night Raw and break down anything we feel like talking about from there. We got the whole setup with um you know kevin owens and Sami Zayn furthering that story where they had another discussion about hey we should work together and that they don't trust each other but Sami Zayn's more on board with it now and kevin owens is still just sort of like no i want to do this on my own the main thing from the takeaway from well i i would say that there's two main takeaways from the non John Cena and Logan Paul stuff, which would be the Sami Zayn Uso situation and the damage control situation. Those are the four topics that stand out to me from raw. Are there any other ones you guys uh, think are worth talking about? No, that's pretty much it. Like Nikki cross or, you know, uh, the Otis stuff (laughs) or anything. Bianca beat Carmella. You know, that's one of those things. I didn't think she would. I mean, my God. Yeah, you know, it, there's no history of her beating her. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is what it is. But those topics, let's talk about them. Uh, we are getting damage control against Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish at Mania. So there goes that Trish versus Bailey singles match, which all things considered i like the idea of this six woman tag better yeah me too 
It makes sense. And like, look, Ella, my fear a few months ago or whatever it was, was that they just wouldn't have a major match and they'd throw them in a battle royal. At least this is as spotlighted as you're going to get. Two of the most iconic women's wrestlers of all time. Add Bailey and Becky, add damage control. Like, this is as good of a non title match as you're ever going to see women have at WrestleMania to date. Yeah, like Renee, Callum, you like the three on three, or do you think it, they should have gone in another direction? I mean, either way is fine. I think the only. The, the difference with this one is obviously the tag titles won't be up, up for grabs, but realistically, I guess that doesn't matter. It does raise the question of, we well, have Ronda Rousey under contract and she's not going to do anything at WrestleMania. For one, based on her performances over the past year or so, I don't really... That, that, that obviously <laughs> is, a, is a bonus, but realistically, just as a, as a name, it seems odd that you would be leaving her off the card. Um, I'm more interested in the rumors that are circulating about trish going heel mm-hmm. and potentially, potentially leading to a yeah. match with becky at SummerSlam. so does that mean that something happened you'd, you'd assume something happens here to set that up and what they seem to be teasing at least from this one segment and again things can change up until wrestlemania but they seem to be teasing the idea that bailey and there's a wedge between bailey and the other two members of damage control like her basically accepting the challenge and Derek Troll going, what the fuck? And then just starting to, and then going to fight all of them, but still seemingly not very happy about the idea of going into this six woman tag because that means they won't have a chance to win the tag titles back. Um, I, lo- other- I love that you tried to justify that because when I saw that, I'm just like, in what logical world do you go, oh no, now I'm on the biggest show of the year and I'm fighting. <laughs> Legends, like three guaranteed legends. Yeah. Well, I, I like I like a universe where wrestlers decide that titles are worth more than dream matches. Right. In certain instances. I agree. I agree. When you say that, yes, but I I just think it's silly. Like why, like why wouldn't you want this match? Last year, wrestlers were begging to get on the card. So yeah, the the way they could get into that is you have the match happen. You could have damage control either turn on Bailey or get annoyed about losing the match, maybe, and they get annoyed, and then you have a situation where Bailey's surrounded by the three baby faces and Derek Control walk out on her, they step up on their own paths. But then when it seems like they're all gonna turn on Bailey, Trish takes out both Becky and Lita and sides up with Bailey. And that can be like because cause realistically, I mean Lita and Becky have got to drop the titles. You'd expect reasonably soon. I almost think that based on this uh, this uh, announcement that they're actually dropping the titles before WrestleMania. That's what I was thinking too, because there's a chance that they do the double duty thing that I have mentioned before, where it's like, okay, well, you know, you're going to do that on night one, but we're also going to determine the number one contenders for the tag titles, and that's going to be something else, and we're going to do that on SmackDown, and it's you know, Rhonda and Shayna are doing whatever with Natty and Tegan and blah, blah, blah. But I do kind of feel like maybe they're going to do a match either. They they might not do it at Mania either. I mean, we still don't know if they're going to approach things the way that they did before, where it's like WrestleMania SmackDown and we're going to do the Andre there, for instance. They did, what was it? The Intercontinental title was defended 
on SmackDown one of those years or something. Yep. And, you know, they've now set up at least a precedent that there is going to be potentially some of the matches that normally would go on Mania can be on SmackDown ahead of time to appease Fox, especially if they're in a position right now where they're like, well, we need Fox to give a shit about us for the deals and the you know, TV rights and all. They, I think might, they should have sailed on that front. But it might, but, but, but I guess they might try. It might be like their Hail Mary thing. We might see, instead of Ronda and Shayna, for instance, fighting for the titles at Mania, they might win the tag titles on the SmackDown prior to Mania. And that could be the type of thing where they fight Becky and Lita, and at some point, damage control interferes to try to be like, oh, and you know, well, they're going to get their level of revenge on them by beating them tomorrow night at WrestleMania. You know what I mean? I could see that happening. We might not see Ronda at Mania this year. And like you said, I mean, it's not the end of the world as far as I'm concerned. She also has like a hairline fracture. So maybe that's going to yeah, be a thing too. Arm injury, but it's not supposed to keep her out of mania. She's very much supposed to work mania. It should really just defend the belts on one of the other nights. Fuck's sake. It's a two night show. Why are we doing a third night where you need to throw WrestleMania caliber matches on? It's not that. Like, I, I think the idea of WrestleMania being so long that it's exhausting has kind of, you know, overshined the actuality of it. Like, it's not that crazy where you need a third show of major matches. Now, I know that you guys are saying they're doing it to appease Fox. Mm-hmm. You still have a two-night show to deal with. Like, just have Ronda Rousey wrestle. They do the six women on Saturday, have Ronda wrestle on Sunday. You the more do uh, a number one contenders match. On on Saturday, so Ronda and Shayna wrestle twice. You know, the more that times like going by and that they haven't announced anything different for this. Once they said it's the three on three, I was like, all right, I'm starting to think it's Ronda winning the belt on um on SmackDown. I think they're going to do the Andre. I think they're going to do that tag title match, and maybe they do something else where it's like, I don't know. I mean, there. We don't know how many matches they're planning on putting on the two nights for WrestleMania, but we do know that like the likelihood that, say, Johnny Gargano is going to have a really important match or something is probably very, very low at this point. I highly doubt that they are building something with this Baron Corbin angle to be a WrestleMania thing, but maybe they have something in mind for that. Somebody like Braun Strowman, I think at this point, probably isn't going to be doing anything at Mania, so maybe they have him wrestle on the Andre. Maybe they do that on SmackDown. I don't know, but... The tag title situation, I'm thinking more and more is going to be on SmackDown. I think Ronda, Shane are beating Becky and, and Lita on that. Which is just kind of like, it is weird that we have like three nights of Mania, but no. Uh, maybe they do the two night thing. Maybe they do something else. Maybe they end up saying, hey, the belts are going to be on the line in this trios match. They actually referred to it as a trios match. I think it was Corey Graves, which I was like, oh, did they just like remember that that term exists now that AEW is using it? <laughs> but um, that's the thing that's updated to the card. Also, an update to the card is we do know Logan Paul and Seth Rollins are official. I don't really have anything to say about that segment. Do you guys? No. It's fine. It's, yeah, it was just a good enough 
trash talking thing. They're gonna have probably like a fun the match. Miz is all over this. Like I don't need the Miz in my Seth Rollins feud for WrestleMania. Thank you. <laughs> you gotta do something. You know, Seth Rollins can't just not fight anybody over the course of a month. So I get it. Why Roman does it? Yeah, but you can't do it with too many people. Then you're just why are you watching the show? I mean, that could be the same for a lot of things. But, yeah. Uh, not too much to dive deep into, like Piper Niven and Nikki Cross and all, but... Um, I do want to... Just one quick thing about Logan and Seth. They're doing it right. They are, in fact, positioning Logan as the heel. So that's good. I mean, that needed to be, yeah. The Asuka and Bianca stuff didn't do anything more for me. They just did another one of those, like, hey, we're going to stare at each other because we're going to fight a mania. Isn't it going to be epic? Oh, my God, you guys wait a couple weeks and you'll see a match. We've yeah, talked about that. I already told soon. you how it's going to end. They're going to do a bag with Chelsea and Carmella and accidentally spray mist and mm-hmm. then actually hit her and then point to the sign. Yep. On Sunday. <laughs> so, <laughs> we got that to look forward to. Let's talk about the Austin Theory and John Cena promo. Yes, let's let's do that. <laughs> so the long and short of it was Austin Theory comes out and says all the, the things he's bit. been saying of like, hey, I'm the future and, uh, you know, fuck you, pal. And John Cena's response, which has gotten a lot of negative flack online. For good reason. I think for a lot of good reasons, yeah, was to say you're not ready, you suck, you are not the future, and even if you are, you're a long way away from there, and here's your problem with Mania, if you beat me, you still lose, and if you lose, you lose, because no matter what, you're going to have to come out on the night after Mania where I'm not going to be there, and you're going to have to either live up to being the guy that beat John Cena, which you can't do, or you're going to have to tuck your tail between your legs and admit that you lost. I don't see any positive to the idea of him being like, if you beat me, you're a fucking loser. Go off, Callum, because I know this, <laughs> this is yours. Gonna, I'm not going to go off in a sort of, well, I would typically <laughs> go off in a, in a negative way. In the sense that I think, um, well, essentially, you shouldn't bury the guy that you're about to face WrestleMania because if you beat them, it means you beat a loser. If you lose, you lost to a loser. And so you're a big, even bigger loser than they are. So, just from a basic wrestling psychology standpoint, this doesn't work beyond just getting some buzz for Cena being there and saying all that stuff. But. I will say that I'm not going to hate on this too much because Cena's right. He's just right. Austin Theory is as plain as like like toast that's been in there for about like 10 seconds. And it's just, he is like milk toast. I guess that's the phrase. That's how Caroline would describe him. And uh, <laughs> Plain unseasoned chicken. Yeah. <laughs> good but... I, I, he just he pointed out everything that everyone says about Fury in a negative way, and he's got no real rebuttal for it. The idea was that Fury comes out and he says he's going to challenge John Cena for WrestleMania, and Cena base and Cena just says no because I'm going to destroy you at WrestleMania because I'm John Cena. I figured all this shit out. I would be I was in your position twenty plus years ago, 
and it nearly got me fired. It made me just think about all these differences. The fact that everyone would say like, oh yeah, Cena was in Fury's position and Cena, like Cena overcame it. So if you think, compare Fury to Cena in that regard. Do you know how long it took Cena to go from getting onto the main roster to becoming like the Doctor of Funkonomics and moving towards that United States Championship upper mid-card position where he was like a featured part of SmackDown? Took him about six, seven months. Correct. How long has Fury been in WWE? Fury has been on the main roster. Four years? Yeah. At least. And that's like, he's already been on the main roster and he got pushed back down to for stuff that we don't even talk about now. Yeah. And can I ask, ask both of you a question? What is Fury's gimmick? The next what, John what, Cena. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what is... I, I, actually, I'll even uh, distill that down even further. What is Fury? What is Austin Fury? Now we're getting into metaphysics. What is theory? Uh, yeah. Unproven. <laughs> what is the theory of theory? Yeah. Unproven. Yeah, but that's, that's the point. He's been there for so long. And he obviously, he's won the United States title a couple of times. And he does get more screen time. He's had that whole thing with a man. He's won money in the bank. But realistically, in terms of actual character progression, development, building up a personality and a real thing beyond, you know, the very base level of a heel, which is just like, you know, jock guy who uh, taunts people and comes out and cheats to win matches, which is like the bottom of the barrel. That's foundational heel heel stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have, he's never shown anything beyond that. And maybe this whole promo and this whole segment and this whole feud is the thing to try and drive that out of theory. But Cena went for the jugular straight away. And basically they're building this whole story on Cena just saying that Fury is what who Cena was supposed who Cena was once and then he figured it out and Fury is way way too far away from figuring it out and Cena said the match he's not ready for this match but he's going to give it to him anyway and so realistically the I imagine this was bad enough because it just laid bare all of Fury's lowest character traits. The, even the, especially the line about the piped in crowd noise, which is just mm, like to a new whole level, level level, because not only is it showing that no one cares about theory, but it's also admitting that WWE pipes in crowd noise on wrestlers, which is just like, okay, if you got the green light to say that, then go right ahead. Or, or we've seen and just decides to say it anyway, because they're not going to exactly. Yeah. What are they going to do? Fire? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. And then it comes out afterwards and like at the end of this segment, like raises the hand of the quote unquote real star of the future, Cody Rhodes. Probably only a few years younger than Cena, but still. And that was my whole issue with it. It, The Cody thing really underscored like say what you want about oh, it's all fake anyway. Oh well, you know, the ruthless aggression stars were B stars compared to the attitude stars, yeah, yeah. They would have at least said, whoa, 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 motherfucker. All right, I want to fight Cody right now. Something. Say something. Austin Theory yeah. literally just sat there with his thumb up his ass like, okay, I, I guess yeah. the segment's over. To, to, like, yeah, to, to salvage this, Fury even needed to take down John Cena and just leave him lying to just send a message or fault Cody or done anything else rather than just stand there and take it like... Like he, like he was listening to everything Cena said and said in his mind, was just going, 
oh yeah you're right <laughs> and just like and just slinking away and, and like curling up into a ball like the only way it could be more embarrassing if you just listen to all that stuff and just curl, curled up into a ball in the middle of the, in the corner of the <laughs> ring and just like started rocking and says no no like, I am. Uh, they they cut back to him and he's got tears down his face and uh piss streak yeah, down his pants yeah exactly <laughs> and, exactly yeah and i know what um i know rob's already mentioned about how he wants this kind of thing to go because of the affiliation with what well, the the fondness towards cena but you can't have this promo segment happen and have fury lose at wrestlemania well yeah but this is before yeah because you're gonna rip them a new asshole because what do you do like what what actually dead. do he's, you do he's absolutely like we thought that the money in the bank thing would kill him and they managed to, well, they, I'd say they recovered. They gave him a slightly new, more intense gimmick and then completely forgot about it as soon as he won the United States title. Like, he's just back to who he was before mm. then. So nothing has changed on that front. And he's yeah. exactly in the same position that he was this point last year, minus the fact that he doesn't have the McMahon thing going on. That yeah. can give him a little bit more interest. Because, like you said, I mean, Theory has had almost no character The most character we've ever seen from him has been when he was a part of the way and he was like the meathead idiot of the group. And that was a lot of fun. You know, that could have been something that, you know, expanded his range and everything. It's not going to be the thing that makes him the WrestleMania main eventer to be like the meathead idiot from the way is going to headline mania. But this is where I always go. Like, you know, everybody looks at him as the next John Cena, I always keep looking back and going, I think he's more in the position Randy. that Randy Orton was. Yeah. Like he's Randy Orton before the legend killer and he hasn't figured out the legend killer gimmick yet. I never understood the comparison to Cena because he's, he's not, Cena was being built as like a rookie. Yay. I'm so happy to be here. Theory came in like evolution. Randy, like he's just a mm-hmm. cocky shit that needs his ass kicked. And it worked for Randy because Randy had McFoley throw him onto thumbtacks and like really make this guy look like, okay, he's tough. And I think that's what theory is missing. No one makes anyone look tough. Everybody can do flashy moves, but is this dude a badass? Yeah. Is this somebody that's beyond just, you know, you do the same moves that everybody else does and all. By the way, Rob, you missed an opportunity when you said that uh, Cody Rhodes is out there and Austin Theory should say, whoa, whoa. You could have had, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) It's so many different, uh, two different versions of the Cody Rhodes, whoa. (laughs) But but that's also my point as well. Randy became the legend killer a year into his run. Mm Mm-hmm. Like again, it's just it's taken. You're, you've you've missed. I, I know. It's, I don't want to say because I don't want to completely say this. He's unsalvageable. But you've really missed the boat with this guy. Like if this was the guy that you really thought would, whether it's the next scene or the next door and whoever, you you've stalled on it. You've sat on him way, way, way too long. To the There's... point where he's he's just another guy on the roster. He is like you're saying like saying oh he's seen as the next John Cena or the next Randy Orton. He's the next Dolph Ziggler. Because he's just a guy, yeah. a guy that a guy that everyone thinks could be something great and will never live up to that potential. But the thing with the thing with Ziggler, and I'm not even being funny here, there was more that made Ziggler stand out in 2013 than makes Austin Theory stand out in 2023. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so that's uh, just from my vantage point right now, and I hope to be proven wrong because I hope this guy does develop that 
extra level, go the extra mile, become the top guy that everyone seems to proclaim him as just because he looks a bit like that sort of guy. And it's all it's all a look thing with him. Yeah. That's that's the only reason people think that he is that guy because he just looks like that guy. And so and even though he's done very little to demonstrate, if he looked if he was like, I don't know, three inches smaller, no one would be saying anything about this about theory being that next guy. So like the only but he's just right now he strikes me as a guy like as a someone like Ziggler, Miz, um, I don't know, Shelton Benjamin, some someone who will be in this business for the next tw- fifteen to twenty years, maybe have one or two two month world championship reigns, and realistically, the career sums up to a whole lot of nothing. That's and, that's the trajectory he's on right now for me. So I want to talk a little bit about this. Is not a new thing with John. John post fighting The Rock became very like I'm just gonna I'm now at a level where I'm just gonna go out and speak what other people perceive as the truth because if you look at a lot of his his feud with AJ was your your club isn't isn't full of bullets full of bull you know you're just another guy I'm gonna beat but he did the same thing with Roman. Building in SummerSlam two years ago, where he was like, Yeah, you're afraid of me because you know, now that I'm back, they'll actually let me beat you. Like, it's almost too real. And for me, the issue is you didn't need to sit there and practically shit in Austin Theory's mouth by saying, Even if you beat me, you lose. Because then if you beat me, I'm not on Raw on Monday. At least if I win, I'll be the champion, but if you beat me, I'm not on Raw on Monday, and then you gotta go out on your own. And it's like, what? What are we doing? Why? Why is it just this thing? Especially with John, and this is why I hate everything since he stopped competing for the title. Like, why is everything with this guy just wink, wink? Look at the camera, wink. It's it's too much for me, almost. Like the whole. The thing with Wyatt, where it was just, isn't it funny how I never turned heel? All right, see you whenever. It's, for me, it's too much. All right, you're giving us this, and it's fine TV, and everybody loved it, and oh my God, he cooked Austin Theory. Wasn't it great? And Cena's back. He literally said, I guess I'll just do the match because the fans want to see me. But, like, I have no interest in this. And realistically... They never need to bring Cena on TV between now and Mania. He said everything he needed to say, said exactly why he's going to be at Mania and why Theory won't beat him. They never need to bring him back. And I think that it's just a shame that we're in this place now where, fuck, there's a whole roster of people. And after a while, I thought it was embarrassing when when Rock did it to Cena. That's why I wanted Cena to beat The Rock. Mm Mm-hmm. It's 20 times worse now because it's like you're just acknowledging that WWE loses credibility with each passing era. You know, uh, Callum compared Theory to Ziggler. We could use this with Roman. Roman has been on top for so long, but we all only acknowledge the fact that 
he really found his stride with the tribal chief shit, ignoring the fact that he had like seven years on top previous. Yeah, and that's it's, longer than most of the legends ever have. Like, like this thing where they just drag their ass. Time dilation's like really weird. We've talked about it recently with the whole like, you know, obviously however many years that somebody's been in WWE compared to how many years like Yokozuna, you know, yeah, like that kind of thing. Austin's you know, it, Austin's only a thing for a handful of years. But it, it we have, the legacy lasts so much longer. Right. We we when I mean, you look at the rock and the rock well, he debuts in 96. 96 and by the end of 97 he's cutting the best promos in the company mm-hmm. and he's like Intercontinental champion and he's uh, part of the nation and by next year he's going to be WWE champion it's like that's that's how you push a guy look at Lesnar Lesnar was WWE champion within like four months of coming up to WWE like and, and don't get me wrong a lot of promotions do it I mean I'd look point at AEW as well and say that they have sat on some of their um, starting talent their AEW originals for way way too long I think Jungle Boy should have been a singles champion by now yeah like it's crazy that for instance just to compare him with another one of them that Darby Allen's like a three time TNT champion and Jungle Boy's like I hope in 2023 I get a shot at doing that. Like, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's an example. Like, Darby Allen's a guy that they have, that they did push well and has gotten to that sort of level where he's probably always going to be like in that upper mid-card range. Mm-hmm. Might might get a few opportunities to the, the top title, but he's probably at the level he's going to be. They pushed, pushed like Orange Cass- Cassidy well as well. Obviously, they, they stalled a little bit in turn, like just to establish that character and then decided, oh, wow, he's actually great at wrestling, so we're going to push him as well. But there's a lot of names there that's like um, best friends in the tag team division or uh, proud and powerful was the, were the guys we were always talking about. Why aren't they ever making these guys uh, tag team champions and the women's side of things and how long it's taken them to do anything with. Well, realistically, they haven't really, they've never really done too much with Ruby mm-hmm. or or, um, or or Brit, obviously. And uh, but it's just a case of. Yeah, and WWE has so many examples of those ones where they just have guys and they just they're in the mid card or they're in the mire for so so long, or they're given that initial push, but then they retract back from it. Look at Corbin for that as a guy that they gave the money in the bank contract to, and were tr- looking to see if they were going to elevate him up to the next level, and then they decided to back away from that one. And years yeah, ago, so, <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make it this whole big wide discussion of like the problems in WWE because the problems exist everywhere because it's a huge issue. It's a, it's a real big issue that never ever gets addressed. We're all talking about this great Roman thing and it is great. Don't get me wrong. It's great. But the amount of time that it's taken to get there, Roman is already like, I don't know, man, I'm kind of done. We can't keep doing this. Like you can't keep sitting on this talent. Yes, I'm glad that we've all discovered that people can be very useful past the age of 35, but it doesn't mean that that's when you start pushing them. You know what I mean? Like it's so frustrating as a fan who has watched all of this play out year after year after year. It's very frustrating. It's not a case of saying that like you can't push older guys or like make them the top stars as well. It's just a case of if you really if you really believe in a guy 
and you really think that they could be like one of the top stars in your company, then you shouldn't, then don't mess around with them too long. Don't just sit on them or wait and see like, oh, it's eventually going to come good right now. Concentrate on this guy. But this this guy is the future. But we're just working with a couple of other people right now. We'll get we'll get to him or her. And then it's a case of by the time you get there, they've been on the main roster for three, four years. They've been in mid card feuds, like 50, 50 feuds that entire time. So it's going to take so much more effort to try and convince people that, oh, this person's like the star of the future. It's like, well, I've, I've just seen him or her like just going from feud to feud, really doing nothing of real note for ages. Like if you really, yeah, let's say really believe in someone, push them immediately. Yes. Immediately push them towards the top because you know what? People will take fucking notice then. If you take this guy and say like, oh, this guy was right at the bottom and then within like three, three or four months, he's right there pushing towards the top. That's what gets people's attention, makes them believe that someone is worth their time and attention. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It's an experiment. It's like not every single one is going to work out. Frankly, the vast majority of them aren't going to work out. But you have to try and do that because eventually you well, the hope is eventually you find your Austin, you find your Rock, you find your Hogan, you find your Cena, you find your Orton, and then that's someone you can build your company around. And, but and you're not, you're not going to get it doing what you're doing, what you've done so far with Theory. To try to wrap this up, you know, you mentioned Cena and Orton, Lesnar. You get there so well, and you do so well with it that John Cena gives you ten years on top. Randy Orton gives you, you know, 10 years on top. Brock Lesnar gives you a year. He's able to go away for 10 years and is so strong because of that one year that he's able to dominate for the next 10 on top. You know what I mean? Like, there is value to how you treat these people. And I just think they are way too comfortable acknowledging the the reality of it, if you want to call it that, that oh, well, nobody really believes in any of the current roster. That's a terrible look for your brand. That is a terrible look for your brand. And I honestly, Theory needs to whoop John Cena's ass, and I don't see it happening. But to come back from that verbal assault, it's what he's going to have to do. He cannot roll him out, pull the tights, and win. No, and they can't just do the thing that they normally do when it comes to heels, which is like the rules that don't apply because... Theory can roll them up and then come out and then say, I beat John Cena and the record books say I beat it. It doesn't matter who thinks that I won in a cheap way. I beat him. Boo. Oh, we all know that you cheated, you jerk. It's not going to carry the same weight. He needs to actually have like a statement made or they need to just go, hey, all right, we're done with the experiment. Moving on, which I hope isn't the case. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> the, yeah, no, Jimmy, discussion. the Jimmy J. Uso situation, Sami Zayn and all. We finally got the turn that we were expecting where the episode ended with J. Uso super kicking Sami Zayn saying, you thought that I would pick you over my family and my brother and everything. That was so good. So good. And honestly, this is the best story they've told in so many years. And we're getting that tag team match. It's taking a while to get there, but we're getting there in ways that make sense. This is the one story, look back at nothing else, everyone will tell you that this time in wrestling is great because this story exists. 
Uh, I'm going to be a little controversial. I thought this was quite lame. In what way? The actual turn itself. Yeah, I think, I think Jay just coming out and doing the hug with Sammy, and then, and then hitting, and then hitting him and saying like, "Oh, it's, you think I'm going to side? I'm going to side with my family." Seems like a bit empty. It just seems like a very like immediate shift towards the family side of things. What 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 I mean is because I'm always just dragging myself back to what happened at Elimination Chamber and how I would have done it differently. And I know that they want to wax lyrical about how I would have had Sammy win the title and had Roman win it back on an episode of SmackDown leading into WrestleMania, and that's when you do the Jay turn, which is following up from Sammy accidentally spearing Jay, and you build off that to be the reason behind it. But I think that what you needed to do is be more obvious about the fact that Jay is doing this for Jimmy and not for Roman. Because I think by doing this, it makes it feel like Jay is just, you know, back to being Roman's loyal soldier, like back in line, back in the ranks. Whereas I think he should be, it should have been very obvious that the reason why Jay has come back and sided with Jimmy and taken out Sammy is because Heyman threatened Jay, threatened Jimmy with what would happen if Jay doesn't come back. And maybe that, maybe they, maybe um, that's, maybe they do that on SmackDown tonight. Yeah, yeah, maybe they, yeah, or maybe they've done enough to convince people of that. I know I've seen people t- talk about that, and if that's the case, then I'll hold my hands up. That's it's better that way. I just, I think it needs to at least there needs to at least be still that undercurrent that eventually the Usos are going to break away from roman i'd like to see on smackdown tonight maybe roman addresses it and says like i'm glad to see that you've seen the light and you're back and whatever and then he just says you know i didn't do it for you i did it for my brother and yeah that's the way I think they need to go i think that would be a bit oh obviously i i know i've said what i said but i think that'd be a bit on the nose because it like roman would just like wouldn't wouldn't take that i think jay as long as jay shows a bit of like you know like hesitation or a bit of reluctance to say that yes my tribal chief or something along those lines then i think you can build off of that but yeah in the i I think the real culmination of the bloodline storyline is eventually the usos breaking away from roman and it it being roman and solo on one side and the usos on the other Then it's Solo versus Roman at SummerSlam 2025 or something. I think I, I think it could be. I, I wouldn't yeah. put it past them doing that. But yeah, well, at least we know it's now the trajectory is now set. We're going to be getting the Usos versus Sammy and KO at WrestleMania, so that should be a great match. And it should still headline. Uh, yeah, I'm still hoping that it's the night one finish. If it's not, then I hope it's the opening match for night two. Those are the only two spots I can imagine it really making sense. But that's Monday Night Raw. Let's talk about NXT Roadblock and the things that happened there. We got the Jailhouse Street fight. Tony D'Angelo beat Jack. It just sort of was a match. I was kind of surprised that there wasn't yeah, anything else going on. Um, they really established that uh, Sax is loyal. Did a great slide in of that crowbar because I didn't even see it until they slowed it down on the replay. Yeah, me too. Really good stuff there. Kind of ridiculous that he hits 
die jack in the fucking head with a crowbar and it's like yeah okay he's not even like the slightest bit bruised or anything you know <laughs> that's the yeah. like nonsense that you have to just write off it's like yeah okay <laughs> but I, I i expected there to be more to this i was a little disappointed um i'm fine with it it feels like they're gonna set them up for a tag tale run not right away but it seems like that's where they're going could be wesley also said he's going to do another open challenge next week and axiom said hey me <laughs> so which means he won't be getting there first probably not and if he does he's obviously not going to beat wesley and then maybe we get some kind of tie-in when it comes to stand and deliver i don't know but that's a thing axiom still heading more towards that potential heel turn we got the josh briggs and keanu james and fallon henley and brooks jensen stuff now the retreading of the twist of hey keanu's got somebody on the side who's sending her flowers and all again it's it's yeah it's one of those stories i don't really fucking care (laughs) It, it does make me think though that maybe there is more to this idea that like Josh Briggs is going to be either turning heel somewhere in there or that there's going to be something between like Brooks and Fallon or Briggs and Fallon or Briggs and Kiana or, you know, I mean, I I don't know exactly what they plan on doing, but it wouldn't shock me at all if they don't necessarily know where they're ending this and they're just sort of doing stuff and going, well, we'll figure out the end game later. So the end, the end game is Brooks and Fallon. I also think the end game on the Kiana side of things, because they established the, the brother and they established the, no, wait, uh, Brooks didn't send her flowers. At this point, I'm hoping it's not Briggs because not you. Why are you playing along? You know, like, I don't like when people do that. Talk about AEW in a bit. Um, yeah, it doesn't make sense storyline wise, but that it does not stop pro wrestling from doing the hey, I fought by your side for like six years, but it was all a lie, and you know, like that kind of shit. Maybe it's just the assistant, you know, like Giovanna. <laughs> yeah, it could be, it could just be like a and you didn't see that coming. <laughs> Uh, I hate this Gallus and Pretty Deadly thing. I think it's entertaining. What I can't stand about it is, I think we're on like our fourth segment of Gallus says, I want to talk to Pretty Deadly, and then they do, and they go, so, what do you want? And they go, we want a tag title match. And then they go, well, all you had to do was ask. We'll talk about this again next week. <laughs> Although, uh, I found myself saying, they know NXT UK is not around, right? Why do they keep bringing up, oh, it's the English against the, the, the Irish or the Scottish or whatever. And I was like, oh, wait, this must be how every other country feels when every WWE storyline is like, America, fuck yeah. So I was just <laughs> like, okay, cool. I can, I can handle it in reverse, I guess. Uh, what else we got on Roadblock? We got the six man tag, Braun Breaker and the Cree Brothers beat into Share. Not too much going on there. Gigi Dolan beat JC Jane, just sort of happened. Jane attacked 
Dolan afterward, but the referee stopped her. Maybe they incorporate some kind of rematch with weapons. Maybe they just said that this is good enough. I don't know. Uh, that felt a little underwhelming to me. What about you guys? I will say it's uh, it's always a good sign when uh, you don't get an entrance. Don't get an yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's telling. Joe Gacy beat uh, Andre Chase. And Duke Hudson said Chase University's joke. So we're furthering dude, I, that. I busted out laughing. There was a whole moment in this match where Thea Hale, who's been working with Tyler Bate on her yoga and her breathing, stands up to Ava and just goes, Yeah, I'm not afraid. <laughs> yes. Woo! And everybody's cheering and bam. Uh, Joe Gacy hits the lariat one, two, three. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. There's still a match going on. Yeah. What happened here? Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Also, this is the most that I've enjoyed Duke Hudson in his entire time in WWE is him just shouting at those two. And basically, yeah, speaking the truth, they are a bunch of losers. Mm. Duke Hudson's been doing some great stuff with this Chase U thing. Really liking that. My favorite thing of the entire night is something that actually didn't even happen on the show. So it, I have to set it up by talking about two promo segments. One of them being the Grayson Waller effect. Waller's got Shawn Michaels and they talk about, he's like, you know, well, I am the best guy here and you're holding me back and, you know, fuck the rest of the roster and fuck the crowd and NXT in general and all this. And Shawn Michaels gets all offended. What is going on? Is there like a an alarm at your house, Rob? <laughs> what happened? I don't know, some kind of like beep, beep kind of thing. I don't know. Maybe it didn't get through on the podcast. We'll see. Let us know in the comments below. Um, there's a whole thing where like Michaels is like, hey, don't you bad math NXT? You know, you can challenge me to a fight and whatever, but there's somebody else that wants to fight you even more than I do. And he introduces Johnny Gargano, and we're going to get Johnny Gargano versus Grayson Waller and a follow up from their previous encounter. That's going to happen to Stand and Deliver. I'm excited for that message to rob right after hey they did the gargano <laughs> you know, yeah you were thinking they would do a dragon lee and i was just like no there's nothing there oh uh, instead like, they were just like hey dragon lee's in the crowd anyway moving on <laughs> um i love this first of all i love the back and forth between waller and michaels i think it was really cool how they're, they're goading trying to go john into having this match and John gets in his face and goes, they've been trying to get me out of retirement for so long. And and honestly, they keep backing the money up to my house and I keep telling them no. And by this point, I know the Brinks drivers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like what makes you think that you're going to get me out of retirement? I would kick your ass, but this guy and it perfect. The crowd loved it. Gargano genuinely loves nxt it's a great ending to that story i thought this is really well the only thing i would have done was i would have had this close the show and i would have had specifically a segment that came after this happen before it because i think it makes the words more poignant that's the thing i wanted to get into which is that Braun breaker and carmelo hayes did a weird kind of weird segment where Breaker had already been out during the night. So I'm surprised that they didn't just have this be the follow-up for that. Like Braun Breaker's in the ring and he just goes, give me a microphone and I'm going to do this. He calls out Carmelo Hayes and he, you know, the 
basically too long didn't read of the whole situation hey carmelo you're awesome and i want to fight you for the title at mania or at stand and deliver and carmelo's like yeah i'm not going to be a heel anymore i respect the hell out of you and i'm totally down for that because we're the two guys and they say something specifically on here about that hey do you remember when the two of us got brought backstage and told that we were the ones leading the charge and the future was ours and all this and grayson waller tweets out afterward yeah, the whole fucking thing that Shawn Michaels is talking about, that nobody gets special treatment and everybody has the same thing. What about those two? <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's exactly what he should be saying. And it, it makes more so much more sense if it would have been that, that they do the Braun Breaker thing right after the six-man tag. And then right afterward, it's the Grayson Waller thing. And he goes, listen, Shawn, you say that I get the same treatment? Ten minutes ago, those two were saying that you'd brought them backstage and said that it's them, fucker. Like, well, no, the way that they made it sound like it was a whole meeting, like it was just a, a group meeting of like NXT people. I would have had Waller be like, "Yeah, and I was there. What the fuck? Yeah, I was fucking there. I was like, there when you pointed at that guy and that guy and said you two are the ones we care the most about, and everybody else kind of went, hey, well, what about me?' You'd proved that sean you keep giving uh, uh title matches to braun breaker you keep giving title matches to carmelo Why, what the hell happens with me you know that would have made so much more sense i'm like i don't know where they decided to now nah, just throw this braun breaker thing after the gg dolan segment what that would that <laughs> i don't mind the way they did that because i like that they made it seem like breaker just didn't want to wait anymore you know we've been dancing around it for weeks i was supposed to do this next week, but screw that. Carmelo, let's fight. And Melo not being a heel, he doesn't need to be. People like him. I didn't like the I was supposed to do this next week thing. Gonna be a double turn at stand and deliver. I'd imagine so. Probably. He's already, he's already, Carmelo's already basically baby face after this segment. But but, I mean, they've done all the thing with, um, because now they're, they're, full-blown fabricating that people are booing Bron Breaker. They've got plants in the crowd that are booing Bron Breaker. So I think that's, that's just an obvious sign that they're going to have him lose the title to Carmelo. He's going to snap and go heel. Yeah. Or or he just goes, but I could see yeah. him. I mean, he could go and he could go as a heel or, yeah, I mean, they could play around with it. They still haven't announced anything about the draft. So, I mean, for all we know, they just go, hey, next week is the draft after Mania, you know. But we ended with another Shawn Michaels angle. <laughs> Roxanne Perez beats Mako Setamora to retain her women's championship, and then she collapses in the ring. And the officials, Booker T and Shawn, come over, they check her out, they stretch her out into an ambulance, and it's it's the, the Insiguri angle. Yep, I caught it right away. It seems like everybody caught it right away. Yeah, because Sean like, only books Sean. Sean books Sean, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I tweeted. I was like, fucking say it loud, say it proud. Sean Michaels can only book Sean Michaels. Now, I've seen a couple other people. Someone said Roxanne will come back next week and say, oh, I, I'm stronger than ever. No. Sean forfeited the IC title. I think Roxanne's just going to forfeit women's title and we're gonna have a ladder match i mean and there's there's tiffany stratton there's um there, oh god there's uh, who was the one? uh 
Yeah, that she put her name in the hat and she wants to fight for the title. Yeah, and all. like, why else are all these other women just like, hey, me? Mm-hmm. Fuck it, all of you. Like, bring, bring back Cora Jade, Cora Jade and Valkyra. Put the two Toxic Attraction girls. And put Tiffany and... You could you could theoretically put Zoe. Mako. I would put Zoe instead of Mako, but and that's your match. That's your it's a six way for the women's title. And that gets you your NXT quota ladder match. That gets you Roxanne doesn't have to lose. Because that's something that Sean very clearly does not want to ever see happen, apparently. When he has his people, he doesn't want them to actually lose their belts. Carmelo lost his belt and they still had him go, eh, but it didn't count. <laughs> you know, like, I, I just think it's okay, Sean Book Sean. It's comical at this point because there's so many examples of it, but it really does seem like, dude, this guy can only book himself. What got him over? Like, oh, maybe he, do, do you not have any other ideas that don't stem from your own career? He's like, yeah, I got this really good idea. It's called the NWO. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's still your friend. Yeah, it's still the click, you know. Yeah, so I mean, I I do think that there's a chance that Roxanne just says I have to vacate the title and that kind of thing. But I mean, maybe they have some other plan in mind. Yeah, it's up for talking about NXT next, or anything else moving on from NXT from NXT from AEW. <laughs> um. Do we miss anything else? I, I don't think, think we so. Covered all. Yeah. Oh, Dabakato and Apollo Crews are just kind of a match next week. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. not enough room on stand to deliver, probably. So, just do it there. Um. Do we have a women's tag team? That? Yeah, I guess we do because that'll be Iowa and Alba. All right. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Let's move on. All right. So on the AEW side of things. One of the things for us to talk about is one of our, maybe this will end up being my thumbnail. I still haven't figured out the thumbnail yet. There is a promotional tie-in with Shazam, the new movie that's coming out, the Shazam Fury of the Gods, which has absolutely nothing to do with Shazam. So I don't know why they were like, oh, you know, this is to tie in with that when they just did a commercial for it, which is really stupid, especially because another thing's like, oh, they're really happy about the the tie-in promotion for that. What tie-in? You know, that's there's more of a tie in when fucking Jim Ross used to go nuts over Skittles than there was with anything else like this. But if you are a fan of Shazam, you should be checking out the Blueprint Project over at fanboysanonymous.com, my superhero project where I am taking all these different stories about Superman and uh, Power Rangers and Spider-Man and Thor and X-Men and Daredevil and James Bond even and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Star Wars and all that. Uh, I have been promoting this for a little while. I've been working on this for years and years and years of trying to boil everything down to the most condensed gold standard version I possibly can for all these tales. And one of them being the one that I want to announce even more so is the Batman blueprint is in full swing because not only is that introductory video up but chapter one of volume one is up right now the batman a nighttime story 100 records from the wayne foundation archives go to fanboysanonymous.com and check out my synopsis of chapter one 
of Gotham Guardian, which is called Why Do We Fall? I have put a lot of time into this. Obviously, if you watch the video, you will tell that it's like, okay, well, especially because this is only scratching the surface of what I'm doing. But I want to get as much eyes as possible on this. And I know that, of course, some people are listening to this podcast are only into pro wrestling. They're not the slightest bit interested in Batman. But if you want to help support me and you want more from Smart Out Moment, then you should help support Fanboys Anonymous as well. Because the more that I can dedicate towards projects like this, the more that I can just solely dedicate to things under a mango tree. And there are lots of different ways that you can help out. So one of them being... Go ahead and check the video out. Just watch it on YouTube. That's one whole thing. If you are, hit the like button. That honestly really does make a difference because YouTube's algorithm does not like to show things unless they're super popular. And if you get a lot more watch time and a lot more clicks and all, they will actually start to steamroll. And, you know, the more likes that I get, the more chances that people can actually see that this is even up on there. And then there's more likes. So then, you know, whatever, whatever. Subscribe on YouTube fanboys anonymous is youtube and also share this around you know you can see on my twitter that i've tweeted this out hit the retweet button takes two seconds and it'll help me out a whole lot so if you are a batman fan in particular check it out and share your support for fanboys anonymous over there on all those social medias and fanboys.com and i'll bought my tickets for the super mario movie gonna be seeing that when that comes out we got plenty of content coming your way for fanboys so support the patreon Subscribe on YouTube, but you know, do all that good stuff. But Shazam was tied in on AEW as being a part of a rebranding of a championship. The All Atlantic title is now going to be renamed the AEW International Championship. And my eyes lit up and I went, oh, fuck yeah, finally, because I hated the name, the All Atlantic Championship. It didn't make any sense to me because you had countries that aren't in the Atlantic and that was just like well why would you go with the name and it's it's clunky the you know all hyphen Atlantic championship I had specifically even said why didn't they call this the international title and now they're going around and they're doing it Orange Cassidy retained over Jay Lethal and he's going to have a fight with Jeff Jarrett for that title the whole phrasing that Tony Khan did, which was <laughs> kind of interesting because they're like, and here we're going to go to Tony Khan for a special announcement. I'm like, Oh my God, there's another special announcement. It's going to be another one of those like, Hey, you know, I really wanted to tell everybody that coming up in three weeks, we're going to have a show in uh kiss me. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I was like, Oh cool. It's actually a decent announcement. And for him to go, it's the final defense of the all atlantic title i was like no you're not going to get rid of this belt already are you jesus christ but i love this change i think that this is a huge step in the right direction how do you guys feel absolutely it just works nice it fixes the flag on the belt problem it just sounds more prestigious all atlantic is a cool name but i think this will help it honestly get to that next level. And I, I thumbs up. I think Jarrett's going to win. I think that there's a good chance. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, name change. I think that, yeah, it just rolls off the tongue a lot easier than the All-Atlantic All Championship. So look forward to the future of the AEW International Championship. Um, I hope Jarrett doesn't win. 
not that I have been, I've, I've actually been a big fan of what Jarrett's been doing so far. I just think that you should probably focus on putting it on a more long-term prospect. Yeah, you should, but, you know. Is there anybody that stands out to you that you would rather have the next international champion than Jarrett? Oh, yeah, probably quite a few. Um, I would probably look at people like Brody King. We'll talk about him. So I, I, I wanted to talk. I would like to talk about Revolution, actually, if I had the opportunity to, because oh, give us a quick rundown. Yeah, we, were, yeah. we weren't on the show. I was yeah. going to talk about it too. Um, I think it's it's if if it's if not the best, it's definitely one of the three best AEW pay per views they've ever done. I thought pretty much every match on that show was great, or at least good. I think the the league, the weakest was the Wardlow. And Samoa Joe match and the uh, four way tag match, especially with the follow up for it. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Well, we'll talk about that. But um, I think that. Um, but yeah, if you're gonna have, if you have a show with that Christian Jungle Boy match, that trios title match, which was just insane, the death match, which was insane in a completely different way, but still great, and then the awesomeness of that Iron Man match, I just. Yeah, if if anything does top it for AEW this year in terms of pay per view, I think would be extremely lucky. It, it it just felt like an absolutely like 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 this is a, this is a landmark show, and so I yeah absolutely loved it, and I'm actually going to look forward to watching some more like rewatching some of it uh, either tonight or on uh, or over the weekend because I want to I want to I definitely want to rewatch the Iron Man match again. I thought it was a great show. Iron Man match was instant classic. Death match was an instant classic. Maybe almost too far in the gory direction. But I I just I loved all of it. The only thing I didn't like, as you guys have already touched on, is the Wardlow match. And I was fine with the tag title match. Because it served its purpose and then FTR came back. So just a lot of thumbs up for me. And I was actually surprised at how quickly the show was over, given the fact that it um, had an hour-long match, and they typically go till midnight anyway. I will say I initially felt like the having Brian tap out was too much. Brian explained it very well. I no longer feel bad about it, because I think he did a great job in explaining how and why it happened the way it did. And obviously, I already gave my opinions about Revolution on the post-show. Go back and check that out if you're interested in that and you haven't already listened to it. Now, we do need to talk about the TNT title, but before we go into that, I want to go into another one of these like little side things that happened here. Ruby Soho at Revolution had turned. She joined up with Soraya and with... So we got Soraya we're talking about and Soraya on this episode. <laughs> Soraya and uh, Tony Storm. And now we got another heading in that direction where willow nightingale and sky blue were spray painted so i think we're we're really hammering down on a lot of these names that we had talked about where not only is willow nightingale and reho in our mix but now it seems like sky blue could be potentially a part of that homegrown crew that seems like yeah. you could have your five right there right you no, got because nah you can't you can't go with sky blue you don't think so she, she's, no, not, she's not she's not she's not 
good Jade enough. is going to fucking <laughs> become a star through blood and guts. If yeah, that I'm, is what they're doing. I don't think it's Jade either. Really? Statlander, if she's if she's healthy. Well, there's there's Sheeta too. Oh she oh Sheeta, absolutely. Like, she could, she could definitely do but she's more, just been she's been out of the mix too. Also, also, fuck everyone who fuck Jim Cornette and fuck everyone who watches Jim Cornette stuff for how they bullied Riho off of Twitter as well. What happened with that? What? Well, it's just the same thing with Jim Cornette basically saying that she's like uh, Kenny Omega's like fetish, then that's why she gets pushed. And so, um, and yeah, Riho's now um, decided to um, go off Twitter. Well, tw- made her account like uh, either private or unavailable now on Twitter because of the. The harassment and bullying she's received from the uh, neckbeards that follow that absolute racist psycho. I miss that completely. Mm. So I, I just, <laughs> ah, that that sucks. What do you guys think yeah. about uh, Juice Robinson attacking Ricky Starks? Uh, people got baited, is what I think yeah. about it. Jay White. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mate, I mean, I'd, I'd. I'd like to see if it was if it's if this is the bridge to that. But I think the more interesting aspect, I mean, Juice Robinson fighting Ricky Starks. I mean, that'd be fine for a one-off match. I don't want to make like a long feud out of it. But um, but the more interesting was Ricky's promo talking about the teasing of where he's going to go. I think everyone started to start questioning about. Oh, we said a lot of things about Cody recently. Is he jumping ship to WWE? I think he was talking about he's going to go to Japan for a bit. When's the G1? Oh, that's not until July or oh, okay. August. So it's, it won't be anything to do with that. But I think he'll head over to Japan. Maybe not with New Japan, but with somebody else, maybe. I don't know who exactly. He could go for DDT. Yeah, I'd say either DDT or... Or Noah. He can win a belt in Noah. Yeah. It, it would think, be pretty he's... fucking great, though, if he just pops up on NXT. <laughs> and it's just like, holy <laughs> shit, what the hell? Like, you know? Well, if he's coming, he's got to skip NXT. Yeah, I'd say so. But... I think that that's a um, yeah. It, it it'll be a nice little like filler feud, but I think that at the moment it's it's hard because Ricky's obviously beat Jericho convincingly in the opener of Revolution, which was another good result. And but at the moment it doesn't seem like there's any clear direction for him to go off the titles. Because Castine would make sense, but it's a babyface babyface thing, so it's a little bit weird. Like maybe that would be the reason why you would take the title off of him and put it on Jarrett. So you yeah, can transition I was say, immediately. He Jarrett, then yeah, yeah, you could do that. Uh, Hobbs just won the title, and I know there's obviously history between Starks and Hobbs, but I don't think you'd go that direction just yet. And I think that Hobbs, but again, we'll talk about that when we talk about the TNT thing. But I think Hobbs is the clear person to dethrone him as Jungle Boy. But that's, but that'll be further down the line. Um, yeah, and he's not not a part of a tag team or faction. He's. Not, he's only he's already lost a match against MJF for the world title, and so they'd probably need to build him back up. So there's no real obvious path for him to become a champion in AEW. So I think he needs he needs an, an another path to follow. If Japan get, get send him over there for a little a couple of months and then coming back, maybe with some gold around his waist, that could be a good way to satiate that need to continually push him because he he is a guy that you don't want to let his star dwindle that far because he he is that good. Well, let's talk about Jade Cargill. She is going to fight somebody from the Canadian side of pro wrestling next week. And that's got everybody speculating, you know, who is she going to go up against? I am thinking that there's a good chance it's Ty Valkyrie. I also think it's Ty Valkyrie. 
no, that's a that's a good shout. Obviously, the um, they looked at the I looked over the um, the AEW wins roster, and there's only one person from Canada, and that's uh the bunny, and she's injured. Yeah. So it can't be anyone from the main roster. I thought it could be Gail Kim. I thought about Gail Kim as well. Gail Kim. Hmm. You can convince well, like, her to come out for retirement. Determined I forgot that her... she's yeah Canadian. She seems very secure in her retirement. Yeah, I, I'd I'd say so, but you know, just seems like maybe just get convinced for a one-off thing. Uh, Ty makes good sense to go with her. I'm trying to think of any other like Canadian women that aren't contracted with WWE that might be. Worth a lot of people with. said like Luke Festo. Um, she she did post something recently about like being in, like in her ring gear and stuff. So maybe that would be a good route to go down. It's a lot more Alice than. Alice in Danger. Also, well, he was also Canadian. Hmm. Uh, anyone else? Nothing's really jumping out on me out of this list. Well, like out of the ones that I can think off the top of my head. And I like I almost said Taylor Watt, Tyler Wall, but she's definitely not Canadian. She just seems like she's Canadian. <laughs> just has yeah, that kind of vibe about her. Well. I don't know why. Um Yeah, so I guess Tyra does make the most sense as someone they would just bring him for a one off show and just uh be just another one to be fed into the ever growing uh, unbeaten streak. Probably if she could sign with AEW. I wouldn't be shocked. Oh, she's finished with Impact now. Okay. And she's not signed to MLW, even though she's their champion. Does that mean that they're dropping the tag title soon? I would imagine so. But we'll see. We'll see Dynamite before we see Impact. So, there is that. I'm sure that they have no problem having like some crossovers. Tony Khan seems like he'd be like, yeah, you know, work those like three shows for them or something, you know. So that's good. There was a point where I was saying that like she could be headlining mania if she wanted to she's very good the roster needs more established women that aren't gonna wax poetic about wwe (laughs) it's honestly it's the worst thing they're doing i've had enough time to digest it that i just i don't care i'm glad that these women are getting spotlighted but i'm also just like i don't care that you were in wwe stop making that the basis of feuds Please. Oh, shit. Uh, Tyler Wilder is Canadian. Okay. <laughs> no wonder we're all like, yeah, she seems like she would be Canadian if she actually yeah, is. I, oh, good. I, I just looked up a list of uh, Canadian pressure wrestlers. There's, there's a few, actually, that I've seen now that I've put the list up. Um, Angelina Love. Oh, that's... As long as where she's still wrestling. Um, Rosemary. He's Canadian. Oh. So good that's another one part of the same faction with Tyler Valkyrie. So. Yeah. Um, just seeing if there's anyone else. Uh, you mentioned Lufisto. Uh, yeah, no one else super significant beyond that point that is either still alive or not signed with WWE. So, so yeah, I, I guess the, the three main options are Angelina Love, Taylor Wilde, and, um, and Ty Valkyrie for me. So let's talk about... Unless they bring Rosa Mendes in. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. Uh, hey, hey, maybe she, she finally she finally wins a match and it ends up yeah. being this. You know, out of all the things for her to win, um, let's talk about the main event of this. Oh my god, this these honkings in the background. Sorry, everybody. Um, 
The main event was the TNT title on the line between Wardlow, the new champion who won it back at Revolution, defending against the winner of the Face of the Revolution ladder match, Powerhouse Hobbs. Going into this, Wardlow did not have the title. He actually had his car broken into. The uh, TNT title was stolen along with his ring gear. So they, I don't know if this was the plan originally to begin with, was to make this like a street fight type scenario, or if they just said, hey, let's go with it because he's not going to have his ring gear. They went and switched it up in that dynamic. And QT Marshall comes out and helps Powerhouse Hobbs win the belt. And look, I'm all for Powerhouse Hobbs holding the TNT title. We've talked about that however many months ago being like, you know, he was still part of Team Taz and it was like, oh, this guy's doing really well. Like, uh, hopefully they give him one of these belts going forward. I just don't feel like this was at all the right move to do with Wardlow. This sucked. Glad Hobbs is champion. Don't take it the wrong way. I don't care. The QTV stuff seems weird. He's wearing a QTV shirt. Um, That's a thing. I'm wondering if they stole the belt and the gear in gimmick because, like, TMZ. Wow, he got his belt stolen. You know, like, like that. I don't know. It's very strange. I'm glad QT's on TV. Don't get me wrong. But this whole thing was being built on dark. And then it shows up in the main event of Dynamite. You know, like, did you ever see a QTV plug during Dynamite? Not that I can't remember. None. Yeah. So, like, it just seems weird to me. And Wardlow now is going to have a middling feud with... um, UT Marshall? Like, I, I don't know. I kind of want to see some more from Wardlow after he had had such a strong ear. Yeah, I'm kind of in the mindset of this was the right outcome, but the wrong way to go about it. I think I think Hobbs is the right guy to be the champion moving forward. I think he's done a lot, He's and he's been there for a while and he needs to be elevated to another le- um, to the next point in his career and that is winning a singles championship and I think that's a big deal for him and the work that he has been putting in both just on his like to- the total body transformation that he's had he's getting better with his promos and he's having good matches so I think that this is the right step I wouldn't have had the interference involved in it. I just would have had Hobbs beat Wardlow clean. Or by some means just involving himself rather than having to get QT involved in it. Because QT is fine, but he is like a lower card jobber. So he shouldn't be associated with the main event of the um of the company unless he is fully becoming just uh, Hobbs's manager. In which case, fine, but also within story why would Hobbs want to hire him he's proven that he can't bring anybody from the factory up you know (laughs) yeah true so so there's that aspect as well so so yeah from the actual perspective of the execution it's not great I'm I'm kind of okay with the idea of Wardlow winning the title but then immediately dropping it because I don't know there's there's been a bit of a disconnect with Wardlow and maybe that's just because he disappeared after the Samoa Joe uh 
Samoa Joe cut his hair off. And yeah, I think ever since he won the TNT Championship, it's been on a gradual cool down of him, and he just whether it, and I think a lot of it is down to the booking. I don't think as much of it is down to Wardlow. Wardlow's a very dynamic performer, and it, like people do pop still for the Powerbomb Symphony. But I think it is just a mix of him not being as a force of personality in terms of might, skills, and charisma, able to like create moments for himself, and the booking, which just meant that okay, we can't have him really interacting with MJF or we're making TNT champion, but not really doing much with that right now because we've got all these other stories that we're putting more attention on to right now. And so he's just lowered himself. It's just forced him to just lower his status in the eyes of like the fans and the overall um, overall landscape of AEW. So... So, yeah, I think the, the time is right to make that level up for Hobbs, but it is interesting to see where Wardlow goes from here because he was at one point the hottest thing in the company and now he's the, it seems like the third thing from it. Yeah, at this point, I'm kind of like, yeah, maybe Wardlow should consider going elsewhere if they don't want to prove that he is going to be that guy going forward. True, but will you say the same thing about Theory after WrestleMania? I think Theory's in a weird spot where it's like, you know, maybe Theory would be better off in like an AEW. Yeah. Well, so, at least some. I think, uh, yeah, he'd be, I think he would definitely benefit from a place which he's got to, that's got to force him to come up with his own character. Yeah. Wherever that ends up being, whether that's AEW or an Impact or New Japan or something, just somewhere where he has to rely on himself and then come. Uh, he could definitely be a guy like Cody. Who goes develops that skill set somewhere else, then comes back and it, it, like is able to demand more money and more attention. From that point, I think there are a lot of people in both WWE and AEW who could definitely benefit from that. But that's that's why these smaller promotions are actually pretty important. Urge merge is still there, <laughs> but in terms of other stuff, because I know that was the big talking point for AEW. But I also want to mention the um the uh, Dark Order and Blackpool Combat Club stuff. I think that's still uh that, i mean it was one of the most interesting things for me was the the fact that, that okay and that we we knew it was coming but they're now full, full-fledged deals like beating the shit out of dark order after the match taking out hangman as well leading into next week where we've got because it's in canada steve grayson is back with the dark order could be uh like uh the the original dark order and hangman page against all three well all three current members of the Blackpool Combat Club because of Danielson deciding to go home for a while. And yeah, that should be it. That should be a fun match. But I'm interested to see like with Danielson away, whether these three are just going just rogue right now. And it, ma- it also makes sense in the story of the Ring of Honor side, because we know that Kingston is fighting Claudio for the Ring of Honor championship at uh, Supercard of Honor. So it makes sense to have Claudio as the definitive heel going into that match. Any other thoughts, Rob? I think not. <laughs> Might have his uh, thing muted and he's not too sure or something. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't can't, can't recall anything else from Dynamite that's like super worth. Um, Blackpool, 
Hold on, I'm here now. Blackpool Combat Club turning heel is fucking awesome. I'm shocked that we're getting Stu Grayson in Winnipeg. I think that that's really cool. They're going to do the Super Smash Brothers and Hangman against the BCC. Where does that fit into Brian being like, I'm sad. I got to go home to my family. When Mox is just refusing to go home to his family, he brought his family with him on the road. You know, uh, a lot of fun stuff there. And I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing where the BCC goes next because it's almost shocking to turn Mox heel after being Mr. AEW for a year. Like, uh, who's going to boo that guy? You know? The followers of the Dark Order will. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck them. <laughs> Well, that is it for the hot tags for this week, everybody. Obviously, a lot for us to break down. One of our long ones again, but hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully you enjoyed our main event from this past week where we talked about the pro wrestlers in Hollywood. And if you did not check that back over Wednesday, go ahead and listen to that one because it was a whole huge discussion of everything from Jesse Ventura and Predator to things like the WWE studios movies and uh, appearances from Stacey Keebler on how I met your mother and all the, the kind of things in between good and bad. We did a Mount Rushmore in there. We have a top rope list. We talk about Batman and Robin again, dark out the Batman story on the blueprint. Come on, do it. And we got things in there from man on the moon. We got the Godfather is even talked about on there, which seems kind of crazy. Cause why would you bring up the Godfather? Well, it makes perfect sense if you listen to it. So go back and check that out and also stay tuned for what we've got coming up next because next week we've got potentially another episode of the Hall of Lame. We haven't sort of figured it out yet. It might depend on what's happening tonight on SmackDown. If they announce somebody, maybe we do something like a more dedicated. BBY says Great Muda is going in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> if it's Great Muda and it's McFoley thing or something, we do something based off of that. I don't know. Maybe we do Claim to Fame. I, I mean, we still have some things up in the air for that. The next thing you might be hearing from us oh, might actually just be something based off of the Madison Square Garden show. Uh, Caroline and I are going to that on Sunday. So if we're able to record like a dark cast or some kind of extra video that's out there, I don't know what I'm planning on doing yet. Uh, maybe get if she's up for it. I don't know to talk about like, hey, your first time going to a WWE live event. Like what you think? And me being like, you know, where the hot dog's good at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Yes, that's a recurring thing. Uh, So that should be the next thing in whatever fashion it is. But next week, we still have that up in the air. We'll let you know when we know what's going on with that. And then eventually we'll roll on through the road to WrestleMania and talk about all the other things we need to talk about there. But in the meantime, make sure that you are following us on Facebook and Twitter at SmartOutMoment, checking SmartOutMoment.com, entering that Dusty Rhodes contest, voting on the Smart Madness tournament that's happening right now. Checking out everything from Fanboys Anonymous over on the Blue Brand, because the more support that you show for that, the more support I get for Smart Out Moment, and vice versa. So keep all that in mind, and make sure that you are also following everything that you can see over on the link tree that I have at amangotree.com, or anthonymango.com, it's exactly the same thing. So check out my Facebook and Twitter and Letterboxd and Instagram and everything along those lines, all at Tony Mango. Make sure that you are following these guys as well. Yep, follow me everywhere at Dude Felice. Check out my writing on Fightful and WrestleZone. You can check out 
my link tree once you hit my social profiles it's all there but for now here's Callum you can follow me on Twitter at Wigmeister14 over on the Malcolm Man website you'll find the power rankings my weekly contribution where I rank the WWE superstars so you can check that out to see who's top of the rankings for this week then you can head on over to the Fantasy League, either through Smart Cat Moments, Navigation, or going into w- straight to www.fantasyleague.com, where you can see how all our teams are doing as we head towards WrestleMania, where one of us will be crowned the Fantasy League champion for 2022-2023. Is it me? No. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? I mean, Maybe who this knows? Week. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. My team sucked. So, boo them and boo part-time performers. <laughs> you you uh, unintentionally took over Drew's fucking shitheaded losers team. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? I won last year. <laughs> Those the fucking shitheaded winners. Uh, so, as we round out these hot tags here, I would just remind everybody, if you didn't already, leave your comments below. Tell us your thoughts on everything we talked about here and keep the discussion going. But that's going to do us in for episode 588. We want to thank you again for listening, and we will see you next time. This has been another Smart Out moment, and we are being counted out.